okay. My next uh, read aloud. Um, chapter, salah satu chapter dalam buku Dr. Shafali, The Radical Awakening. Uh, is entitled, The Lies About Love. Okay, so many ills is the name. Uh, sorry, I'm going to repeat this. So many ills in the name of love. Ownership, betrayal, control, need. So many shoots, if when thens said with the tongue of love this is not true love these are falsities in the name of love these are lies that blaspheme the true nature of love although love isn't an institution per se our modern day idea of it has kept women locked in its cages when we understand why this idea of modern love is more enslaving then it is liberating we will revise what it means to truly love another and thereby free ourselves from the pain relationships often endure most of us in the modern era were raised with fairy tale notions of finding that one magical soulmate with whom we could live happily ever after we were told that two halves make a whole and there is someone out there designed precisely for us who is the missing piece to our puzzle until we find this special someone we are incomplete and therefore lesser than what we could otherwise be sold on this idea of a forever love with another diamonds are collected as the trademark symbol of the man's commitment toward the woman millions of romance novels and mov- and movies revolve around the idea that falling in love is a pivotal life experience worthy of ballads, poetry, and musicals. Little girls and their mothers especially dream of a lavish wedding, which they look forward to with bated breath and eager heart. <coughs> every, boy, every boy the girl dates after the age of 23 is seen as a prospective husband. As they grow past the age of 25, the need to hone in on the perfect mate becomes urgent. Marrying the right person implies living happily ever after. There is a definite agenda to all of this falling in love. Love in this fashion is extremely goal-driven. One doesn't love for the sake of loving. One loves for the sake of committing one's future to the other. One doesn't love as an expression of the soul. One loves as an expression of the ego's desire to fulfill an agenda <coughs> so ask yourself have you ever loved just for the sake of loving or was your love always tainted with a future goal if you are truly honest with yourself and look back on your past relationships you might admit that within weeks or months of meeting your current partner you looked at him or her in terms of marriage material the pattern goes something like this girl likes boy or girl they date and um, and girl looks for a commitment of some sort, such as a ring signifying marriage. If the partner doesn't commit, aka ask the girl to marry him, the partner is considered to be not sufficiently loving. The market belief is that if the couple truly loves each other, they would marry because it's through the act of marriage that they declare their ultimate commitment. What begins as a pure feeling from the heart quickly turns into a transaction for the future. We have been conditioned to be in a state of lack and scarcity. If we don't find someone to complete us, we fall into the trap of unnecessary suffering when a relationship doesn't reach the fruition of commitment. This sort of agenda takes our love 
which is ephemeral and formless and stuffs it in a box that is not only rigid but also future-based. We are thereby transplanted from the present, which is a felt experience of the moment, to the future, where we are trying to control the unknown. The cultural script tells us to fall in love with someone who completes us. Besides the obvious implication that we are not whole enough without the other, the other more insidious undertone is that we are dependent on that person for our identity. The one we love is not just the receiver of our love, but also part of the plan to gain a new identity as a whole person. The implications of these beliefs are many. Let me explain through the example of a couple named Amy and Jacob. Amy is a classic empath. She came for therapy complaining about her relationship with her longtime partner, Jacob. She incessantly complained about his self-absorbed, narcissistic ways. It was easy to support Team Amy and cast, job, and cast Jacob as the enemy since he clearly had no compunction about violating her boundaries and being insensitive to her needs. I realized, however, that if I supported Team Amy, I wouldn't help her develop into the whole person she needed to become. The goal was for Amy to understand what psychological function she was asking Jacob to fulfill for her and how her own incomplete self was perpetuating this dynamic. What do you wish Jacob to be that he isn't being, I asked. Patient, complimentary, loving, kind, she responded. I asked her to complete the sentence like who. She immediately said a father should be with his daughter. The reason Amy was unable to see Jacob for who he truly was was that she was looking for a loving father to take care of her. As long as she had this need, she would stay dependent on the fantasy of who her partner should be but could never become. How do you act around Jacob? I inquired. Scared, afraid to speak up, avoidant, she admitted. I asked her if this is who she used to be around her actual father and other authority figures. A hundred percent, she agreed. I was always the good, obedient girl who wanted to please everyone. Amy was still trying to get the approval of her father and was bending over backward to do so. The pivotal difference she couldn't appreciate was that Jacob wasn't her father because she still had this need within her she was walking around like a scared little girl looking for her daddy's approval thus she cast jacob in the role of her authoritarian father jacob on his part is a man who tends to be self-absorbed and self-centered probably exactly like her father left to themselves there is nothing wrong with these traits however in a relationship these traits are problematic because jacob tends to violate the other person's boundaries in order to get his needs met when one um, is in a relationship with a partner such as jacob strong boundaries and a sense of self are a requisite if boundaries are not clearly established the boundary violator will increase their behavioral patterns even more Amy grew up with a father who never recognized her boundaries. As a young girl, she adapted by capitulating to him, craving his affection and tension. All she knew how to do was relinquish her boundaries. She developed into the perfect pleaser, using this persona to gain approval. As a result, she typically found herself taken advantage of and frequently abused. Jacob was one more in a long line of such people she had found herself intimate with. Although she thought she was falling in love with Jacob, she was actually falling into an old pattern. She didn't recognize who Jacob truly was because her own unmet needs cursed her to wear blinders. She, as, 
as she was looking for daddy, she kept playing the role of the little helpless pleaser. It could be said that she was in her own movie. Had she come to the relationship complete in herself, she would have recognized Jacob's tendencies and either, ne and either never dated him in the first place or, if she chose to, proceeded to create healthy boundaries. Amy is not alone. For most of us, this falling in love feeling is actually falling into need, possession, control, and familiarity. It's a desire to fulfill something within ourselves. We believe we love the other, but in truth are seeking love for our own ego. We fantasize that we are two grown-ups who are going to walk off into the sunset happily ever after without realizing that we are operating like little children instead of adults. We want the other to finish the work we haven't yet done to complete our own upbringing. We are adults who are emotional toddlers. Despite our tuxedos and ball gowns, um, we are ill-equipped to party with the grown-ups. When we don't fully grow up, we constantly project our needs onto others and leak our emotions all over them. We want them to be the person who need to complete our fantasy of ourselves. The greater the childhood loss, the greater the fantasy, and thus the greater our need for others to fulfill the role of saviour. I call this dynamic twin beggars, each looking to the other to fill them up, their arms outstretched toward the other, hungry for the other to give them the magic potion they have been missing all their lives. What they don't realize is that they are each as empty as the other. Because both people are dependent on the other, the desire to control and possess the other is palpable. They create unspoken conditions where expectations run high and the demand on the other is great. This naturally leads to control and possession. If we see the other as responsible for completing us, it's natural we will want to control the other. On this path, love morphs into its opposite. Instead of being about liberation and empowerment, it majors in possession. When possession. When our sense of identity depends on another, we forsake our individuality in favor of the relationship. When two halves um, try to become one, they actually become quartet slivers of themselves. Lack always begets more lack. Only bounty creates bounty. This is why our modern-day understanding of love must be transformed. Before we can love another, we absolutely must first learn to love ourselves irrevocably irrevocably and meet our own needs uh, remember this okay this is why i'm doing what i'm doing and whatever i do with early childhood education it cycles up it circles up to um, the couple yang berkahwin kemudian mak ayah kemudian kepada anak and then so what kita kecil dahulu it goes round and round and round so you have to learn to, to love yourself first so most of us don't love. We need, depend, possess, and control. To put this differently, most of us don't love. We fear. Imagine the heartbreak when the other we have depended on refuses to bend to our fantasies and turns out to be who they truly are in their ego self, not the balm or self we thought they would be. When we enter a relationship with the intention of healing ourselves, conflicts or betrayals are no longer perceived as contentious but instead as powerful portals for in inner integration. When we commit to looking in the mirror, we see our reflection everywhere. The more we heal and love ourselves, the more the reflection of the broken little child fades and gives way to a powerful and whole adult. I'm going to end it there. And if you are listening to this, do um, have some time to reflect on yourself and think about this self-love. You've got to 
I've always said this, you've got to parent yourself first before you can parent other people. And this parenting other people includes your partner, your husband, your wife, um, your children, your mom, your dad, your friends, you know. So you've got to really know who you are. Self-love first before you can love others. Alright, I'm going to end it now then. Thank you. Bye.